Welcome to the show. In this one, I have a conversation with Zach Carruthers of Portugal the Man. Zach grew up in Wasilla, Alaska, where he spent most of his time skateboarding, snowboarding, and playing music. He started playing music in elementary school programs. Then in high school, he played for a band called The Dependable Letdowns. That one, he calls a shitty high school band. The next band he played for was A New Hope, which eventually changed its name to Anatomy of a Ghost. After Anatomy of a Ghost broke up, Portugal the Man was formed in 2004. Between then and now, a lot has happened. They've gained bandmates and lost bandmates, recorded eight albums, toured the world, and even won a Grammy. Okay, here's where I give the company men a shout out. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, and Aquila Space. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. This podcast wouldn't be possible without you. If you subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. Your money helps keep these conversations going. So if you enjoy these conversations, you can subscribe at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. Okay, back to Zach Carruthers. Zach says that the feeling of success is a carrot on a stick. That his idea of success is always changing. At first, it meant playing a show and having the crowd sing your lyrics. Then it was the first time he played in a big city or traveled overseas. Then it was the first time he played at a big music festival. Now, his idea of success is tied to the band's current work with the rights of indigenous peoples through the PTM Foundation. So here he is, Zach Carruthers. (laughs) This red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work. I'll just hold this thing and that should work. Uh, That should work. All right. Oh, man, that sounds great. All right. Cool. Good. I do happen to have. Yeah, I've got audio equipment around here sometimes, you know. Well, yeah, dude, you're in a band. Yeah, no, I've never used this thing, though. I think I've had this microphone for years. I don't think I've ever used this one. Um, But yeah, you never know. (laughs) It can make things sound good sometimes. What kind of mic is it? Hmm. Oh, it's just a, it's a USB mic that I just haven't had in a while. Like we, uh, yeah, was, I, when you asked if I had one, I was like, you know what? I do have a USB mic somewhere and, uh, yeah, it's not bad. It was working. It was working pretty well. That's what's up, man. And do you have headphones on so you can, you can, everything's just in your head? Oh yeah, totally. I got, uh, I got, yeah, I'm a big headphone guy. I got a lot of, I collect headphones. So it's, it's one of those, uh, just chasing the dragon things. Do you ever have something like that? Um, I have it with headphones and backpacks. I just constantly am searching for the perfect one, and it uh, it never it never ends. Like no matter how many I have, I'm just always looking for something else. Never satisfied with with only those two things. Everything else, I'm just like oh, I'll buy 
once and keep it for the rest of my life. But yeah, for some reason, headphones and uh, and backpacks, I just have a I have a thing with. What is your favorite pair of headphones that you own? Right now, I've got a pair of uh, Master and Dynamic, and I really like those. They're uh, they're they're buddies with us. We we got some mutual friends that work for the company, represent the company. So they've given us a few pairs, but they're they're classy, they're killer, they're uh, they're very true. It kind of depends. There's like there's really really nice ones, um, but they're also big and bulky, and they don't really work for everything. And these I've found are kind of the most versatile. Uh, they're cans, and uh, I got kind of a different pair of headphones for anything I do. On planes, they get a little hot, and so I use uh, use earbuds. But uh, but besides that, these are these are good for good for listening. I'm a fan. You know, it kind of does sound like it might be a tad close, just because I can hear the pops. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Here, wait. Let me b- drop the uh, compression on this a little bit. Let me uh, let me see if I can make this work. Let's turn down the input on this and uh check 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 that should probably do a little better that working oh yeah that's good now we're cooking with gas all right yeah (laughs) all right so backpacks as well you said yeah backpacks man i um yeah can never get enough or as many i kind of have a just backpack for any occasion and i for some reason get a lot of backpacks sent to me or i meet a lot of people that have uh, companies and so yeah man i'm just always looking for the perfect backpack and that's kind of you know always changing because whatever i take with me whether it's music stuff or fishing things or camera gear it's uh it it's every trip is different so it's a uh, yeah it's it's a never-ending process how things how things going up there man things are i mean as good as you can imagine uh i think that the the mayor Berkowitz uh, definitely made some smart decisions about the quarantine. Good. So everybody has been inside. It seems like seems like everyone's really listening. Yeah, it's gonna be it's yeah, it's gonna be a weird thing. It's a complete shift in uh, in life. It's pretty interesting. You coming up with any uh, any weird hobbies? Um. Well, I'm just you know doing the podcast. Um, yeah. I'm doing the podcast actually in me and my wife's bedroom because it's the softest, you know, sound. <laughs> nice. I'm in the most echoey room in the house, but uh honestly, I got the there's there's kids and dogs and a whole bunch of stuff going on that I can't get rid of. So uh I'm in a pretty echoey spot. This is my little studio up here in my attic, but it's uh, it's pretty reflective, but I don't like, you know, it's the only place I can kind of get away from things at the moment. You said there are kids and dogs yeah kids and dogs and cats and everything yeah not my kids but they're i live with them they're my roommates you know <laughs> children roommates <laughs> that sounds it's really funny when you think about kids as uh just like kind of shitty roommates that never do the dishes or always you know not flushing the toilet and just leaving a mess <laughs> everywhere it's kind of funny to think about but yeah they're my uh um my ladies my uh my my gals kids from a from a previous marriage so we we live together so we're not married so not like stepkids they're pretty much stepkids but right now it's uh just while i can i think it's way more funny to call them roommates dude that's great i, I love that kids as shitty roommates <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty funny whenever you think about your kids as shitty roommates it like it always gets a giggle <laughs> so you asked me if i had any uh weird new hobbies does that mean you do 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like with these with these times, it's kind of it brings out. I think they're creative days, you know, focusing on the positive of the quarantine. I'm like, you know, I'm definitely worried about the economy and about the money situations of, you know, all my family and friends and, and the health of everybody. Um, yeah, definitely not a fan of the disease, but quarantine, I'm a pretty big fan of this so far. I got to say, mm -hmm. I never get to be home and this has forced me to just stay inside and do things that I've kind of always wanted to do but never actually had the time to do. And it's funny how still I don't find the time to do things, which is just hilarious. But some days I still go to bed. I'm like, God, I just didn't get that much done today. <laughs> and you know what? That's okay. It's fine. Uh, but I, I started tying flies. Um, I fish a lot. And so I, I started fly tying. That's something I've been wanting to do for quite a while. And they, um, uh, pretty much just the idea, basically my, the, the hobbies that I find myself in like retirement as an old man who just like sits in a cabin somewhere and eats mushrooms or something. This is a, I'm starting some of those hobbies a little bit early just cause I have the chance to, you know, so I've been tying flies and then I, I want to, uh, want to learn how to hang meats. I don't really have the situation for that yet, but I kind of want to get into, you know, drying meats and, you know, hard salamis and stuff like that. It's a, it's just kind of a weird hobby that I've always wanted to find. I feel like it'll, it'll be, uh, applicable in you know post-apocalyptic times if it goes that way and if not it's just a delicious treat for me and all my loved ones so where are you trying to hang that meat well i'm i'm working on getting a new house uh out in um john our singer just moved out to troutdale and we built a studio out on the sandy river outside of portland here and um and i'm trying to move out there as well so uh in escrow on my first house which is pretty fun and uh we'll see it's a it's a fixer but it's it's on a river and i'm very very excited about it and so hopefully i'll have a some kind of strange you know meat shed uh situation out there <laughs> there is one but i'll probably build a specific meat shed you know just to you know keep it keep it controlled but yeah it's just something i kind of always wanted to do don't know why that's great dude you know i um I saw a post, I think it was on Reddit, and it was about how important it is to create and keep a routine during this quarantine to avoid going stir crazy. Totally. Have you been keeping a routine while you've been isolated at all? Not really, but I think just having no routine is has been my routine. It's like, I don't just honestly waking up in this place for this long has been routine and something that... I'm not normally into, I feel bad too, because I know there's a lot of struggle out there and I shouldn't be just loving the isolation, but I kind of am. I've just been for so many years. I mean, I, I play in a professional band, so we're just constantly traveling. I'm constantly hanging out with people, just uh, burning it at both ends for as long as I can remember. And this is the first time where things have just been unbelievably quiet and I haven't gotten bored yet, but I am really looking forward to that happening because I just haven't been bored since I was a kid. And from boredom is, is such a, um, I mean, that's why I started playing music in the first place. That's why I started skateboarding and snowboarding. Like from boredom comes true creativity and not for any reason, not to make money or for fame or fortune or anything else is just doing something because you want to. I'm reading a book on, quantum mechanics for no reason <laughs> that doesn't help my career whatsoever not in the slightest 
I've just like, you know what? I'm kind of interested in that. How does that work? And uh, so, yeah, I'm reading a book. It's a, I'm, I'm a dipshit too. It's like, it's like quantum theory for, for dummies pretty much, but it's, uh, but it's, it's pretty good. So it's reading books like that. I feel like so many times I have to read a book to, that I can use with our foundation or, or for music or for some sort of reason. And it's kind of the first time where I was like, nah, I'm just doing this cause I'm kind of interested. And this is probably the only time I'll ever mention it to anybody. It's right here. So I don't know. It's weird things like that. Are you finding that you're understanding what you're reading or are you going to have to, or are you having to look it up or? No, I mean, I, I like, I, I do have, it's a book that kind of, um, it's not actual, uh, actual physicists would laugh at it, I'm sure, but it's a, it's kind of blending. It's, it's showing the, the similarities between like Eastern, ancient Eastern philosophy and Western, you know, physics and so it's it's all like it's not written by a physicist or anything like that. It's uh and so it's all pretty it's all in layman's terms. It's still unbelievably complicated just because of the I guess the subject when it comes to trying to understand things, we can only really understand things that we sort of know and we uh you you know, our thought process kinda only works with pattern recognition. And so when you on the subatomic realm, like nobody has ever seen it and nobody knows. So it's all very just difficult to uh, grasp. It boggles your mind, but it's kind of fun to slow down and um, I'm reading it incredibly slowly. And so I don't, uh, I don't think it's making me smarter. I think it's making me dumber, but in a much, (laughs) but in like a really good way. I find that about a lot of people think that, uh, you know, knowledge like truly gets you smarter and, you know, more power and stuff like that. I'm like, Everything I learn, it just makes me realize that there's less that I know in the world. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, for some reason, I like that. Well, I think that's what some of the smartest people in the world say is as you keep learning, you realize how much you don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, yeah, I'm not one of those smart people. I'm just... uh, (laughs) You're just the meat meat shed kind of guy. Yeah, dude. I just I just want to hang meats and fish. <laughs> Play some bass. <laughs> so something you just said earlier was from boredom comes true creativity. What kind of creative endeavor or piece of creativity have you come up with recently? Um, it's it's been a lot of I haven't gotten super creative. It's all it's all been kind of in my mind and I haven't really let it out yet. I've been kind of taking this time to really just um sit and think and the the kind of the the solitary confinement of this whole thing is is really nice and I feel like I've just never had a time had enough time to sit and process information and so it's been mostly that but we're getting ready we're we've been working on an album for a long time and this thing this whole thing kind of got us at a weird time because we're kind of finishing up all the lyrics on the record every time we make an album we either spend a short time or a long time making it but at the end we always kind of uh delete all the lyrics and rewrite all the lyrics and right now that's what we're in the middle of and then this happened and we kind of have uh, hit pause on it because I'm not sure what kind of world is, you know, we're going to come out to. And so I'm like, wait a minute, like the lyrics that we had written, you know, just a month ago, 
they're not going to make sense right now. Like this, it's a different time. That's what's so hard about recording music and then putting it out. It's that space in between Mm -hmm. when something this drastic happens, the world that we released this album into is not going to be the same that we recorded it in. And so we've, we're just kind of waiting to see uh, what feels right for us. And so I'm just kind of stocking up, getting ready to write a lot of lyrics, starting to write some, but I don't know. I'm trying not to, for the first time, you know, I'm trying not to focus on work too much and just, uh, just being and seeing what that means. Cause I don't even know, man. <laughs> you know, that's super interesting that you guys, uh, will write the lyrics, erase those lyrics and rewrite those lyrics. And right now you're in the process of scrapping all those lyrics because of kind of the current state of affairs. Yeah. The world is always changing. You got to be, you got to be relevant. I mean, we don't do that with all the lyrics. Sometimes, you know, some things that were written in the seventies still make sense today. And a lot of them do um, as far as, you know, the political climate of the world, but a lot of things we like to freshen up and we just, um, we kind of feel that an album is just a snapshot of what's going on in our lives right then. Mm-hmm. And so we always we always try to, you know, we keep some things if we have like really good lines, you know, we, we save them. But a lot of it we just try to rethink right before we put it out. Just give it a, you know, fresh coat of paint and uh, before we get it out there. And so now we're just kind of holding off because we don't know, you know, what's going to happen. We don't know what to write necessarily. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's kind of nice, but also you know, the, the world's just changing. You know, I don't, know if you know people are we're just gonna go on tour i don't know what i don't know what the music careers like what the music industry is gonna be like after this i was kind of waiting to see and uh yeah things are gonna change doesn't mean that, that it's gonna be bad it's just uh sometimes really terrible situations uh force you into a state of changing and evolving you know for better or worse but it's it's nothing that we can really do about it and i think it's always an opportunity and I'm I'm excited to see where this takes us. Well, that's rad that you have such a positive outlook on it. I mean, when you said that you're enjoying the isolation, I definitely felt that because I'm enjoying it. But I'm I'm very much like a solitary person. Me and my wife like are working from home. We're lucky enough to still have our jobs. Yeah. I'm able to continue doing the podcast. She's able to continue doing her work. I work with youth as well. So we're doing a lot of Zoom meetings. And so things are working. You know, taking all of the tragedy out of the situation and just considering the isolation, basically what it amounts to is just having to adapt. Yeah. And it's very impressive how, how humans, how fast people adapt to this. Like we're figuring it out and it's and it's scary as shit for a lot of people and 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 i feel that it's it's freaky i'm i'm very very lucky you know like you i'm in a good situation where i'm like it you know i can you know i'm gonna make it a little while and hopefully you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna fish and grow some food and see what happens but you know uh but in inevitably you know this is just gonna shift um priorities and if it makes us focus on taking care of our elderly and making sure that everybody is safe and looked after a bit more when it comes to healthcare and security, as far as things like this happening, you know, it's, uh, it, it, I'm just trying to look at it from a positive light, you know? What do you think is going to be one of the biggest changes that occurs because of this? 
I mean, I think people are definitely going to be afraid to gather in large groups for a while and I don't blame them because it's, you know, it's dangerous. And, and so that's going to even just, just that always being there will, will change things for sure. And, um, I think people are, you know, just a little bit more worried about, you know, contact and being careful and, and, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing or, or it's not a, not a good thing either. You know, at this point, you know, it's, it's hard to say what it, what is good and what it, what is bad. It's just, there is something that is there now that was not there before. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to try to kind of make do. It's a pretty shitty situation and people, you know, where I'm at is, is fairly good. I've got, I can get outside and I can get away without, you know, putting myself and my family in danger really. And I feel for all my, all my friends, like in New York and shit, that that's gotta be so rough when you're in an apartment building and just going to, you know, get some milk, mm-hmm. you have to, you know, go out into a hallway, into an elevator where a ton of people work. There's, you know, dormant, there's just so many people and it's stacked up so high. It's super dangerous. And it's, it's, that's real scary out there. That's, that's fucking hard. And I can't imagine what that's like. And so it, uh, this will make us kind of like, yeah, just see what's in, see what's important, what's close to us, what, uh, what really matters. You know, one thing that I think is, is super interesting in all of this is that humans are fundamentally social beings. Yeah. And right now that fundamental is just being taken away from us and it's kind of taking us down to our basic elements and seeing how we re- we react to it. Yeah, totally. And and yeah, it's 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 weird. It's stripping away a huge thing um, from us, and that's why it's it's so weird that it's shifting in a way to be all you know like this, like uh, safe contact. And you know, it's a I don't know if it's you know be like the sex scene in Demolition Man or. We're all living in a bubble or something like that. It's like everybody is just going to be, you know, still connecting, but you just do it from a device. And, um, you know, maybe it's the Earth's way of just uh, letting us know, like, you guys fucked this place up. You know, you got to go create a different world um, that is uh, that a different world to pollute. That is a, uh, you know, some kind of virtual ro- uh, world that you can still connect and see each other. But, um, and I don't know how, how real that's going to get, or that's going to change, but it's, uh, yeah, something's changing and it's going to be, it's going to be weird. They'll never be, we'll never lose that contact and we'll never lose. It just may get smaller. You got to keep your circle a little tighter for a while and, you know, either dive in full that way or get back to the land. What's crazy is this isolation has only been going on for about a month now and already we're seeing nature kind of like come back you know there's like you know it's just like and all it took was a month of us to just chill yeah totally it's uh yeah it's it's pretty crazy and it shows you and that that's part of the good thing too and you know i don't want people to have to die for that but you know it's time for people to wake up and just realize the impact that we're having on this place and how fucked up it is and so we got to make room for all all things and just uh think about what you're doing mm-hmm. i think uh you know maybe a lot of these things kind of come around when just people get a little careless 
you know, human beings have been unbelievably careless. And so this, uh, I don't want to be checked this hard, but you know, let's, let's not, uh, let's not make it for nothing. You know, Mm -hmm. how about the rest of the band? How are they doing? Everybody's good. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. A lot of us, life didn't change much for us for a while until we started kind of, uh, separating from each other. Cause normally like when we were home and recording, so kind of all I did anyway was wake up and I'd go out to John's house and we'd record and I'd come back home and that's kind of all I do anyway. Uh, Kyle, our keyboard player, he just, um, he just sits at home and plays piano and records music anyway. So this isn't that weird for him. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and it's like, once again, everybody's freaking out about the disease, but the quarantine isn't too bad. We're, we're all finding positive ways, and mostly since we're always gone, always missing our family. You know, our drummer has a has a two year old boy that um, we're always gone touring or recording, and he never gets to see him. And uh, his his wife is still able to work, and so now he's just playing. Uh, he's just playing dad, and he's been doing it for a month, and it's it's hard for him. But he, you know, the daycare is gone and everything, and so. He's just uh, all the time that he spent on the road complaining that he missed his kid. Um, he's getting it full effect now, yeah. and uh, and you know that's a that's a rewarding thing. So we're just trying to take we're taking advantage of the home time and trying to figure out new ways to be supportive and do what we can, um, and just kind of making things work in a in a different way now. So are you guys staying in communication? Oh yeah, we talk every day and we're always doing we're always doing something, but uh but yeah, we're just not seeing each other much or staying outside of each other's houses and stuff like that. Which is, you know, it's it's honestly nice cuz we just so often for the last 20 years I've had, you know, three meals a day with these guys, you know, slept in the same van or bus or hotel or you know, something and it's it's very weird to not see everybody, but I'm it's going to be yeah, I feel like like once this is over, once things start to relax, we can get back to it. I feel like there's going to be a a genuine excitement. You know, imagine going out and seeing friends that you just like really, really want to see. Mm-hmm. When there's so many times, just like ah, uh, you always feel obligated to do things. And now, once this thing starts piddling down and we start getting back into life, um, we're gonna do things that we want, and we're gonna go see people not because we're obligated but because we miss them Mm -hmm. or you know we just we love them i think it's going to be you know that part of it is going to be very healthy and very pure and and really good i'm excited to see what happens i kind of think at least for me it has been kind of a kick in the ass to do those types of things so for example my wife and i try to go for a walk like maybe a, a mile two mile walk or run like a couple times a week, mm-hmm. right? Just to get that exercise in. Yeah. And then totally. we also have been trying to have like these Zoom meetings with our friends. Yeah. And we weren't doing that otherwise. Like right now we are actually healthier, like mentally healthier as well as physically healthier than we were prior to this. For sure. Yeah. It's it's weird like that, right? It's a... Uh... Yeah, there's there's good there's good things, but I'm I'm in the same boat. I have not been I've not been very healthy working out, but yeah, losing weight just from I eat out a lot and uh just eating at home is helping. I'm I'm having a beer right now just because I I heard that. Um I feel like it loose it loosens me up a little bit. But uh apart from that, I, yeah, I don't really drink at home much, so I'm I'm uh, and I do a lot when I'm uh, on the road or recording. And so 
yeah, just kind of getting a little more clear and getting, yeah, you, you can develop some new habits. Is it a time to take advantage of creativity and to create healthy habits or things that you want to, you know, change about yourself? Mm-hmm. Take advantage. So when there's not a worldwide pandemic going on and <laughs> you and the rest of the band are out touring, what are some of your favorite places to play at? Oh, man. Home, Alaska. We love playing Alaska. Um, it's always a blast. It's always hectic as shit just because we have so many friends there and we just bring everybody everybody out. Um, you know, it, it's honestly really fun. It's, it's, it's fun on the Mellow Nights. I like playing places like Lawrence, Kansas. And, uh, and you know, some of, the, some of the places that we, you know, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you know, it's a, a lot of places where we don't know a ton of people and we get to reach some... Uh, some new fans and honestly kind of the the small towns because you know we grew up in a small place and you know what it's like not a lot of concerts mm -hmm. came up there when we were growing up the and if there was a show like you went to it I went and saw everything I I paid top dollar for to tickets for artists I straight up did not like just to go see live music and and that was the way it was so I really like going to kind of uh smaller places that don't necessarily get a ton of shows that always makes me feel good. And, and you can see it in, in their faces. And I remember it's uh, very familiar because that's what I grew up feeling when I'd go see, when I go see a show, I really wanted to see when there wasn't that many of them when I was growing up in Alaska. It was a, it was a good feeling. So that's a lot of it. Do you think that you guys kind of make this conscious effort to do those smaller intimate shows because of where you're from? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we do. I mean, there's, there's lots of reasons to do it as well. Um, but we, we absolutely make that a priority just because we know how it feels, but there, you know, there's, there's reasons to do it too. strategic, um, you know, business decisions, but those aren't really ones that we care about. That's for like, you know, our booking agents and management and stuff. But, uh, mm -hmm. but we get that and we know that, but we always, we always try to try to do that for people so they don't have to travel so far it's not a it's not as big of a thing and we just like to see new places and we're we're one of those bands we don't like to sit in hotel rooms we like to get out and we walk the streets we eat the food we drink the drinks we climb the mountains we jump in the rivers and we meet the people and um and so going to places that are awesome that we've been uh, um you know a thousand times is super fun but when you go to kind of a smaller place you haven't been before, it's really nice to get out and see what it's all about. If you were to pitch me a place right now that you guys went to and didn't realize you were going to like it so much, what would it be? Lawrence, Kansas, man. I love the hell out of that place. It's like, it's one of my favorite. I don't know, it's just a cute little college town. Um, it's got a rad venue. It's just a delightful place. I've always had a good time there. Good people. Um, out of the, the world. I mean, it's, I was, uh, my favorite city in the world, probably I really like Salzburg, Austria. It's a really good town. It's in the mountains. It reminds me of homes in the middle of the Austrian Alps. Um, it's got insane, like super metal Christmas markets, uh, good fishing, good food, like really good friends. There's a really good band called the steaming satellites from there. Uh, the oldest salt mine in the world. I had my thirtieth birthday in Salzburg. Actually, it was a it was a wonderful time. Yeah, Salzburg is just one of my one of my happy places for sure. So, what was that thirtieth birthday like? 
oh, it was badass. I, uh, <laughs> so I hope I don't get anybody in trouble here. But a couple of guys that uh, that I know, they used to work at this salt mine, and they would give tours and stuff, and it goes you know crazy far underground. It's you know incredibly, incredibly old. I mean, Salzburg is you know it's German for salt, and salt is you know one of the oldest things that people resources that people. Uh, sought out to survive and so it's very very old and we went there after hours they're tour guides and then we basically did the tour at like midnight or one in the morning and you know brought a bunch of people and you know, everybody's like brought down like uh a bunch of beer and cigarettes and weed and i uh, just went with a small group of people and we had a we had a little party like a mile underground in a in an old salt mine and just did a bunch of awesome shit and it was pretty amazing. Not too bad. That's awesome. Did you guys lick the walls at all, or? Uh, no, there's there's a lake that is uh there's, a, there's an underground salt lake in this cave. It's like a mile underground. It's amazing, and it's uh and we did taste it there. It's it's insane. Your entire body just uh, it's something like like the Dead Sea or the Great Salt Lake, something with incredibly high content where you just float in there and stuff it's like it's not even it's that's like one one hundredth of what we tasted it's uh it's absolutely crazy it's the saltiest thing ever it completely just dried out your entire soul by like touching your finger to your tongue it was wild that's insane super cool though it was really fun so what about that spot in kansas do you have any memories from that oh a ton of fell in love there once or twice i uh um we uh we met a really <coughs> one of our good friends Josh Burwanger lives uh I think he lives there he might he went to Kansas City for a minute but I think he might have gone back but either way he's in a he's been in several great bands from there uh just fun bars um it was always kind of uh it was just a lovely place to go there was a there's a venue called the Bottleneck that is a super small club it's got the uh, really tiny hot green room that kind of it's up these stairs and kind of reminds you of a, a tree house that uh, that you and your friends would have built when you're like 10 years old mm-hmm. the bathroom door was just a uh, just like a piece of plywood and but there's just something about the energy in that place that was just just a blast it was always kind of a little haven and i don't know why we just always had a wonderful time there was there a point where you guys were like, I think we made it? Yeah, yes and no. It's uh that's happened a thousand times and it's also never there. It's one of the it's the backpack uh, it's the backpack situation or the headphone situation. The first time we ever went to a city that I had not been to and I saw kids like singing our lyrics, I thought we made it. And I remember we went to back in our old band, we went to uh um, Bremerton, Washington, and we played in a basement. And there were kids I had never met that were knew the words to our songs. I was just like, "Well, fuck, we made it. This is amazing." First time we went to New York. First time we went to Europe. It was like, "Shit, we made it. This is awesome." Uh, first time we played, we played Bonnaroo. Um, that was the first time we kind of felt like a real band. Um, first time we got a tour bus. First time we got a hotel room. First time we got paid more than a hundred dollars to play a show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a million of these and it's funny. And then we never feel like we're there. And so yes and no, it's like, we've, I've felt that a million times, but then it's also, there's so much more to go. It's kind of weird. 
well, I would imagine it's this this moving target, right? Oh, it always is. Yeah, it's a carrot on a string, and and it's uh, and it's it's been fun and it's amazing. And but there's just always something else to do. And yeah, we uh, um, you yeah, you never feel like you're there, and then just suddenly you realize you are. It's just like. I went back when somebody was asking about work and how many jobs I've had. I'm like, Oh God, I've had so many. Start naming them off. They're like, what was the last job? I was like, Oh yeah, it's back in, I think I quit in 2007. I'm like, Holy shit. I haven't worked another job since then. I was like, that's crazy. And I didn't really notice that now like living wasn't easy. And I was homeless for most of that time and like completely never had money, but I was also, I never cared about it. And I never, I always had what I needed. I always had, you know, I always had a, I always had a pizza and a beer and mm-hmm. uh, some kind of a couch or bench or something to sleep on. And, uh, you know, I, it was always, uh, it was something to just like keep us going for sure. I just finished this book actually last night called the, the last lecture. And it's written by this, um, this professor who had pancreatic cancer and he eventually died but the concept behind a last lecture is like you're pulling all of these experiences in as this kind of um, portrait of your life and all of these things that you've learned and yeah. you're kind of imbuing them onto anybody else that will listen. But you kind of just touched on something with your jobs, which is that you didn't really care. You know, you were just having fun and pursuing the thing that you wanted to pursue. And in that, you find you know, kind of the ultimate happiness. And a lot of times, like you, you get the thing, you succeed at the thing that you've been pursuing. Yeah. Without even, without even knowing it. And you never know what kind of path that's, that's going to take. And not to say that that's all peaches and cream or happiness. Like me and John fight like crazy. We've broken each other's ribs several times. Like it's like, it's hard. It's stressful. It's psycho, but it's, it's just what I do. And it's just what I want to do. And I don't think I can do anything else. I mean, good clearly, but it's like, and and you never know. There's a, I think you just really got to follow your gut and follow your instinct. And I don't think enough people do that. And it is scary because you, you know, you'll fail a lot and Mm -hmm. that's okay. Like you can't be scared to fail, but I feel like everybody has a pretty decent internal compass and that you know right from wrong within yourself and if you just at every moment there's a choice and that's all life is just a series of microscopic choices and right now it's reading and fishing and i don't know why it's my path in life and i don't think it's helping my career one bit but it's just that's what i feel is right for me and that's my path at the moment um and helping people and yeah, I feel like just listen to yourself, but you got to know yourself. That's that's the hard thing too. Is like me personally, I don't know myself, and I just realized that recently. I had kind of a breakdown, panic attack that lasted a while, and like I realized I didn't really know myself, and um, yeah, and that was that was kind of a hell of a thing. But once I started listening to me, you know, it things got better. There was less uh, less friction inside me for sure. Would you mind talking about that? No, of course not. Um, I had, you know, I think we were like, you know, we we're very stressed out, just everybody in general. Um, me personally, I had a lot of uh, 
I had like some weird kind of psychedelic breakthroughs that have been going on. And then, um, uh, where just kind of reality was crumbling a little bit for me. I started losing my mind a little bit and I still haven't quite got a grasp on how to explain it. I guess I've got a grasp as far as the, the feeling of it goes, but I haven't quite figured out how to explain it yet. However, and it was causing a lot of problems in my life, but basically I just wasn't listening to myself. I didn't know myself very much. And it started off with my, with my partner, with my lady, um, he was asking me questions about kind of like, you know, what I want with certain things. And I kind of realized that I didn't really know, like on like this, I don't know if I, if I woke up one day and just, what would you like to do? I've always been doing something else or something that's like me, but my purpose in life was to like please other people or, or do things for others. I, I didn't know myself what I wanted to do. And that freaked me out. And I didn't know, you know, what I thought about a lot of things. And my, I've been realizing that I question so many things that like it's, it's a, it's a paralyzing effect when you question things too much and then nothing happens mm-hmm. and you miss an opportunity. And, um, and I've been feeling that I've been feeling a little, uh, kind of inactive. And so I, was, I went a little nuts and I had a, uh, I had a meltdown. So I just like kind of, um, at the beginning of the year, I kind of went sober for a month or two and just kind of gathered some clarity on my life. Cause I think, you know, alcohol and drugs wasn't, it wasn't like I was hiding anything on top of that. I just think not knowing myself and then, you know, drinking a lot during recording and a lot of things like kind of, it just added a layer of clouds that made it hard to see through. Mm-hmm. And I needed to like gain a little bit of clarity. And so I like kind of sobered up for a bit and just rang out the wet brain and, uh, and got a grasp on just kind of, I just basically started questioning everything I thought. And I'd just ask why and kind of start peeling back layers on the onion. And I learned there was no like profound thing. I'm still, still working on it and still very much in the process. But in that, every layer that you pull away and just like anytime you want something, you ask why, you know, if you're, and, and what the real purpose is, you know. If you go to the fridge and open the door and you're like, how many times you do that? You're just like, I'm not hungry. Why am I doing this? And you think mm-hmm, that I was like, yeah. all right, I think I just want to change a feeling. That's why a lot of people go for drinks or drugs or, or food or music or movies or anything, or distraction. There's like, I, I want to change a feeling. Okay. What am I feeling? Why do I want to change it? And am I doing it out of like fear? Or am I doing it out of, you know, uncomfortability or like what's going on? And so I've just been asking myself a lot of those questions and it's very interesting to me and I'm sure pretty uninteresting to talk about, but, but it's a, but yeah, but it's some real stuff. I don't know, man. It's something I've just never dealt with before and new is fun. No, I, I think it's great. I think that any, anytime anyone can self analyze, I am always interested in talking about that because that's like, <laughs> my mom is always telling me like, oh, you should be a psychologist because you're so interested in that stuff. You know, you're so interested in talking to people and like being an active listener, you know, and participating in the, in the present conversation. So I guess going off of that, I mean, why do you think, so you mentioned earlier that you, you think that you were trying to please so many people. Why do you think that is? Uh, I'm, I'm unsure. It was just, uh, it was just something I kind of always did growing up. I would always... Um, I think it was probably just something that my dad told me about the secret of life 
uh, at a young age was like, I found the secret of life. And clearly I'm like, well, do tell. And he's just like, it's not about you. It's about everybody else. And I don't know why I just took it to heart. He didn't even explain anything more than that. And for some reason I just kind of took that and I grew up with it and I just never, it's uh, it's just something that I've kind of always done and I'm unsure why, but it's like, I look at it now, like growing back what I do for a living, uh, through high school, through, you know, middle school. It's just like, I've always kind of been that and I've morphed myself into kind of being, I don't go too far. I'm not like a, a different person, I think around different people, but in general, whatever's kind of missing from the situation, I will try to be that if it's, you know, if, if a situation needs a little comic relief, I'm like, I'll do that. I kind of just like whatever the person there needs me to be in that particular moment, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's in a good or a bad way. I don't think I was like, I wasn't, you know, sacrificing with, I wasn't being a martyr or anything. I wasn't being, you know, just eager to please. Cause I was, uh, you know, super, um, like uncomfortable with myself or like, uh, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, like overcompensating. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or something like I, I don't have, you know, a terrible self image. I don't have a super good, I'm like pretty in the middle and, and I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure why, but I'm, but those are just one of the, that's just one of the things that I'm digging into. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up with three brothers, two of them like quite a bit older mm-hmm. and, so I'm like the exact middle. I have a younger sister as well. And so I am always like, <laughs> I'm always trying to please, you know, especially mm-hmm. like when I'm in like the full family dynamic, my brother Colton, he gets uncomfortable when it's just him and my dad. And so like, he'll call me to be, you know, come help out with building a shed or, you know, whatever the hell they got going on that moment. And he'll just, he'll say something like, Oh, Cody voted for Hillary, you know? And then like, (laughs) and then it just like throws a wrench into the whole situation, but it takes what he thinks the focus is off of him. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I get that. I've, I've, I've been that guy a bunch too. Like I, yeah, absolutely. I I feel that. And that's it's a it's an important thing. And I I don't know like if you've figured out like why you do it or is it just I mean maybe it's that just being in the middle and kind of you know when you're in the middle you're kind of like choosing a side or like always swaying one way or the other and um but yeah, it's like I don't think it's bad and I don't think I don't regret any of the way that I've lived my life. I just, for some reason, realized that I purposely would not look inward ever. And I never asked myself questions ever. I just automatically just do what I do. And then at some point, I just kind of thought that was fucking stupid. Once again, when like somebody close to me asked me what I want about a certain situation, I have to be honest with them and be like, I don't know. And they're like, how can you not know? Mm -hmm. And that question drove me nuts. And I was like, how can I not know? That's ridiculous. And so, but I wasn't lying. I really didn't know. I sit there and think about things. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty weird thing to just kind of realize you don't know yourself. And so, yeah, I uh, you know, did a little therapy. Did a lot of kind of cut back on that. I should probably get back into that. But, uh, but yeah, just kind of asking a little more questions. Because once again, it's just learning. And learning's never bad. 
Oh, learning's never bad, especially what never is it? Bad. Quantum physics? Yeah, right. <laughs> Who knows? I'm never going to use it. And uh but, you know, whatever. It's just, just something I'm interested in at the moment. You know, my my dad is is like that as well. He always one of his, he's got like a number of sayings, but one of his sayings is just don't think about it. <laughs> and what's so funny is when I was younger, I would be like I wouldn't even think about it. Like I wouldn't that that sounds kind of weird, but I wouldn't think about him saying don't think about it. And as I've gotten older, I get it. Yeah, totally. It's it's a weird thing. And that's the other thing. It's like knowledge is always good, knowledge is power, but at the same time, ignorance is truly bliss. And there's always two sides of the coin. Sometimes that shit starts spinning pretty fast. So one thing that I have written down here, um, going off of your dad saying that it's all about other people, is philanthropy or philanthropic. And that reminded me of this question I had or this thought that I had about something that I find super admirable about you guys is that you're loyal to your roots and issues that affect your home state. I think that when a band or a creative person makes it big, they have a tendency to shed their local identity. At some point, did you guys get together as a band and decide that the identity of the band would stay Alaskan or was it just this unspoken understanding? We always talked about it, and with the with the work we do now, specifically on um, the rights of indigenous peoples, uh, that has always been kind of a thing with us. With me and John specifically, we've kind of always talked about that and how it just mattered to us because we grew up in such a uh, a specifically unique place with such a specifically unique perspective on so many things. And a lot of them being like the environment and, you know, native Alaskans and indigenous peoples. And we knew the story and, and I don't know, it just took years to finally connect and then more years for us to actually do something about it. But I think we just kind of grew up, you know, with a, with a close understanding of it. And it took us a long time. It took us growing up and leaving and traveling every, everywhere else to realize that something was super fucked up. Cause we always knew, that, you know, we would we would read things in school about, you know, the discovery of Alaska and the discovery of America. But we always knew that, you know, we're like, oh, but you know, the native Alaskans who were there and we go to school with and we're, you know, are are very much, you know, just present in our community. Um, we always just kind of knew it was like, oh, well, you know, these guys were here first. They've been they've been here forever. For sure. And and but we didn't really question the didn't totally question the books or didn't think about it as much. It was like, Oh, well, yeah, that's that story. But then we know this thing. And then we started uh, traveling around the world and we would go places and we'd still, you know, see the names of the streets and the rivers and the towns. But we started, um, we didn't see the people as much or the represent. We just didn't hear the voices as much as we did in Alaska. Cause it's much smaller and, and you see it, the issues and you see the people and and you're friends with them and you you know grew up next time you work with them and you go to school with them and we just thought it was pretty weird because we're like you know we and then we just started to realize that a lot of the the voices have been silenced and um it was always kind of a growing thing and we we always knew that we wanted to somehow incorporate this or to um 
you know, do, do something like get involved, do something to help because we would, we would read about some issues and we just kept learning and we didn't know what to do. And then one day it just kind of, we did something and, um, we didn't know what it was at the time, but it was basically, we, we were in Australia and we were, uh, we were going to play on this, uh, like the biggest, like morning show TV show in Australia is like pretty much like, you know, good day America, but it's called sunrise in Australia. And we were going to play on there in the morning, which is like a, you know, it's a big thing for our band and raising awareness for us. Mm-hmm. And nobody told us this cause we don't. And that's what's sketchy too, is we go around all these places. We take pictures and we go into radio stations. We have no background on any of this. We're not from there. We don't watch the local news. We don't know. And then somebody, one of our friends, thank God, was just like, hey, they've got some like kind of scandals going on. You guys might want to look into it because I know you guys and it's kind of some shit you're not into. And we looked it up and yeah, they had like uh, like protesters like picketing outside with a bunch of signs that we would agree with. And it was all about like an all white panel discussing what should be done about uh, Aboriginal um, kids. And it was pretty fucked up and just some messed up things were said. So they were having these protests and how messed up of it that our label or nobody, people that knew were just sending us in there and we're just going to show up in the morning and be like with all our gear and being like, Hey, walk in and excuse me, excuse me. I kind of agree with all these signs. And uh, so we very publicly decided not to play. And then that, and then just so many people like got with us and got behind us and, and we're just like, Oh yeah, fuck that. And so then we just jumped in and we started doing, uh, we started doing land acknowledgements at all our shows and we started just like diving in deep. We didn't know how to do it, but we're just like, I don't know. Fuck it. We're just like, all right, we've been wanting to do this forever and now it's just a thing. And so we kind of, uh, and it all started from Alaska and just our roots there. And now it's just a thing. Now we have a foundation. Um, now we have, you know, we don't go anywhere without anywhere that we go. We bring, you know, uh, uh, tribal, um, representatives of the area or they've been displaced there, uh, before anywhere that we play to, uh, pass the mic and just let them talk about whatever they want to talk about. And it's been, it's been pretty rad. It's been pretty fun, man. That's great. You know, I asked a question earlier about if there was a point where you guys were like, I think we made it. And we kind of said that it's a moving target. Right. And so what you're talking about right now is kind of like the evolution of that right now. Yeah. Like, so, so this right here is the current goal. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like not even about the music anymore. It's like completely shifted. I work far more on the foundation more than I do, you know, with this, it's like, it's become a, and it's, and it's nice because, you know, we had, we had a hit, we got a Grammy, we started like things were, things are fucking rad, but then we kind of lost the reason. And then at some point, you know, when we're writing a new song and stuff, we're like, it's not that we're running out of things to say, but we're running out of reasons and you got to have a purpose. And, and that's like the biggest thing. We were kind of losing that. And this came in, we're like, all right, we got a reason. And yeah. And so much of that is, it's fully because of is because of Alaska and home and like what you were talking about with people, you know, losing their identity of where they're from. That's just like, that's not what we're about. You know, we're all about respecting where you're from, where you're at now and where you're going. And that's, that's the everything to us. 
what I've I've noticed, I'm a big music listener, and I've mm-hmm. I've noticed. Um, I mean, I'm sure we've all noticed this as uh, music fans is you have an artist that comes out with an album and then they just slowly kind of peter off into just selling their soul. You know, they're just complete sellouts. And you guys have absolutely not done that. Well, we have in some ways, but we did always make it funny. We can we have we have a rule with selling out where it's like we're like, oh, no, we'll do it if it's funny. And in general, we just like we kind of turn around and if we take somebody's money, fuck yeah, we'll take people's money. We'll take money from rich people. Absolutely. <laughs> and we go around and we like take it back to Alaska. We did, you know, well, uh, um, we do, we do a show for some, you know, giant tech company. And then the next day we'll take a, we'll charter a plane out to Shishmaraf or something like that. And, uh, you know, go to Tyanek, uh, Tyanek and, uh, and bring some instruments for the kids with, uh, um, dancing with the spirit you know like it's it's very it's all it's all the same game and we do have a sense of humor about ourselves and we try not to take ourselves too seriously so we'll sell out but not in like a really bad way we'll sell out for a good reason well I, but i think that also changes the meaning of selling out i mean because there are people that will sell out and that's you know a new addition to their house totally yeah. you know rather than like you said going to shishmaref or tyonic yeah and you know bringing a bunch of instruments yeah totally it's a it's a it's it's a different thing and yeah, people need houses too and uh and you know if you want to sell out for a swimming pool that's your thing but uh i'd rather do something something different and yeah it's like you gotta you got to Robin Hood that shit. You got to selling out isn't a lot of people boo it. And whenever, and so many people don't see the correlation so just on our, on our thread will literally like that. Like one day we'll just be like, Oh, playing on playing for Disney. And people are just like, boo. And then the next day we're out doing something good. And they're like, good for you guys. I'm like, do you not see any correlation between the two? <laughs> do you realize that like we have to make money to give money or to, somehow make some kind of thing to get resources to to help and that's what we can do and you know it's and it's not about how much you do or anything it's just that you do what feels right to you and what fits into your world it's not that's the other thing that i want to completely take out is like yeah selling out everybody does that shit and it's like when you think of fantastic works of art the sistine chapel shit like dude do you know how many like artists that painted cathedrals were atheists and they would still just take money from kings and queens and popes to to do their art mm. so that they could go do rad projects for themselves. That's always a thing. And it just depends on what you do with it. And, uh, yeah, if you have a sense of humor about it. For some reason, I feel like the sense of humor part is just very important. Yeah, it's a good thing. But you just can't, you can't lose yourself in it. To me, selling out is writing a song for somebody else or writing a song because I hope people will like it. And we try to make things accessible and we try to try to make things pop, but it's just us writing what we want to hear on the radio. And people just have this thing about like booing things just because they're on the radio. And I'm like, fuck that. I wish everything on the radio was cool as fuck. And we're going to do our part to do that. I want to live in a world where I turn on, any TV or see any commercial selling fucking bubble gum or toilet paper or paper towels and have the music be rad. 
So yeah, we'll put our songs in commercials because if you don't, there's going to be some whack ass shit. And who's going to do it if you don't? Mm-hmm. I like what you said earlier about Robin Hooding that shit. Oh yeah, steal from the rich, give to the poor, or not even the poor, but just like use it for good. It doesn't have to be poor. Well, it can be uh, now it can be anything. That's a messed up thing to say. Yeah, it's like uh, but just using it for good. And even rich people there, you know. There's a lot of rich people. There's bad people that do really good things. And there's good people that, you know, they're that that do bad things. It's like it's all about balance, man. Mm-hmm. And I like I like the balance. I'm not a good person, man. I I like to be I want to be balanced. I want to be yin and yang. That's the truest shit ever. You gotta be just a little bit evil and just a little bit good. And uh yeah. I I've done a lot of bad shit, but I just try to generally do a little more good shit or things that feel good. And, uh, and that's the point and not hurting, not hurting people and lifting people up and making them better. Yeah, absolutely. Making it better, I guess. Absolutely. I think that that just creates a more fuller person. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So my buddy, Gary Milton is also originally from the Valley (laughs) Oh, yeah. I know, Gary. (laughs) And he gave me some questions to ask you. All right. (laughs) So before we get into those questions, though, it probably makes sense to describe what we mean by the valley. So what is the valley? Oh, yeah. The Matt Nuskas who sit in the valley. And uh, yeah, for any of those who who don't know or outside of Alaska that are listening to this, is where we are from, is where uh, half of the band... Me, John, and Eric Hawk are from, and uh, yeah, it's Wasilla, Palmer, you know, Willow, but uh, but yeah, we're all pretty much Wasilla boys. So the the valley is the the suburb of Anchorage, which is our big city and our bustling metropolis. And so we're out in kind of the sticks, and uh, we're the the valley is kind of known for being you know a little more a little more rednecky, a little uh, rough around the edges. And uh, a lot of trouble, a lot of guns, a lot of fun. And Gary is Gary's been around for it. Haven't seen that guy. Haven't seen that guy in a while. Last time I saw him, he oh, it's forever ago. He told me the like a really funny joke that won't work on a podcast because it's very physical. But goddamn, he uh, he went all in on a joke that was it was pretty goddamn good. Gary is hilarious, and actually, he has this one. Um, let me see. I got to look it up on my phone really quick. Because he was talking about when you guys played in Reno. Yeah. And that was your first band or one of your earlier bands, Anatomy of a Ghost, right? Yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. That was when... That was when he uh, he did this joke. It was backstage at that show, and so yeah, I remember that night. I think we went to Awful Awful afterwards, got some burgers. But yeah, I for some reason I've got a. Unfortunately, I have got a very good memory, no matter how many things I try to do to erase it. <laughs> I remember almost everything. Yeah, I remember that show. So what about that show? Do you care talking about it? Um, let's see. Well, I can't wait. I can't remember. All right. Is this the one? I think we were probably playing with Fear Before the March of Flames. I believe we did the gallon milk challenge before or after we played. We played a lot of pranks on the band that night, on that on their band, 
we hit a bunch of things in their lights and uh um but yeah i remember i saw gary milton's balls which were part of the joke <laughs> um that was i guess i can kind of explain it as this is before and i don't know if this is where he's going but basically he told me this wonderfully long-winded story about a bike accident that he got into recently and the or no when he was a kid and it was so boring and just really going nowhere and all of us were just trying our best to laugh and not really pay attention. And he was talking about this scar. And after probably what seemed like a good 13 minutes, super boring story, it's like, and then I got this scar and he lifted up his, uh, his shirt and he had had his ball sack tucked up over his belt for that entire time for <laughs> who knows how long just to tell this joke. And, uh, boy, that, I haven't thought about that in a while. That was that was one of the funniest things that uh, that was one of the funniest jokes anybody's ever told me. That uh, good job, Gary. That was a that was a really funny one. I remember that from that show. That was probably the last thing you thought was going to happen during this conversation is to remember somebody's balls. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a you never know, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun thing about life. <laughs> but I'm very happy because that was hilarious. Uh, Gary, I'm a fan of your balls, bro. And he also asked me to ask you, uh, who's nice guy, Eddie. <laughs> yes. So nice guy, Eddie is a, a famous band from the nineties in the Matanuskas who sit in a Valley. And, um, that is who that is actually, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm, I am where I am today. So back when, when I first started playing music, I was in a terrible band, uh, that I started when I was a kid called the Dependable Letdowns. And there wasn't any bands in the Valley. We were kind of the music scene. There was Phantom 8, but their singer was in jail. So they were instrumental metal band. And so them, us, and then Nice Guy Eddie started, which was uh, Joe Simon, Nick Simon, and Dewey Halpas, all of which I still see, uh, not often enough, but but I do still, I am in contact with all of these guys and, um, they used to, uh, they used to practice and play shows at, uh, at little Caesars and Palmer. They would, um, somebody worked there once again, just getting people in trouble, but yeah, fuck it. It's funny. And they would just, uh, they would practice and play shows at little Caesars and would just after hours cause they had the keys and it was just a spot and we would go. And we would sneak in, you know, booze. Not that anyone was there to not see it. We just like, I uh, just like uh, basically put a tall boy in a large fountain soda cup and just pop a straw straight straight through to the can and just uh, you know, drink cans of beer out of uh, fountain cups and watch uh, watch nice guy Eddie play uh, play awesome punk shit. And so they moved down to Portland. I'm gonna try to go through this quickly. They moved down to Portland and their bassist was actually a really good guitarist. And so I played guitar at the time and I was going to college kind of down South at uh, Western Oregon university. And they, uh, they were a three piece band and they wanted to go to a five piece. And so they're like, Joe wants to play guitar. We need a bass player. And, uh, we changed, they changed the name of the band and they were just looking for a bass player. I missed playing with people. Honestly, I didn't want to play bass. I was like, Oh boo. I don't want to do that. I play guitar, bro. <laughs> and, uh, but I missed playing with people. So I bought a car, a shitty car 
and a base. And I would drive up two hours to practice uh, three or four days a week with them. And the first practice I went to, I just missed playing with people. And the first practice I did playing bass, I was like, fuck this, I'm never playing guitar again. And of course I still do, but that was when I found bass guitar forever. It was from the members of Nice Guy Eddie. And then we, yeah, called John down to sing for that band. And then the rest is history. So all of those guys have been in Portugal at one point or another. And we were all in a band before that under several different names. But yeah, they are uh best goddamn band I know out of a, uh, out of Palmer. Oh man, that's great. Little history lesson. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not too many people know about that. Gary, Gary knows all that. He was there for all that shit. Well, dude, this, uh, that that does it for my questions unless maybe do you want to do you want to end this on a story or do you have a different idea about how you want to end this ooh a story our drummer is the storyteller in our band and we will continue to listen and have listened to him for years like he can just completely keep like 30 people on our tour bus entertained for hours just nonstop about how this guy tells it but i don't think I don't think I have that. So I think I'll probably just end it on a, uh, on a positive note about this whole situation that we're in. Um, I guess, uh, now is the time to be creative. Now is the time to be positive. Um, look to the future. Things are changing and we don't know what that is. So be ready for whatever that means. Uh, keep on your toes, but that's where the creative piece comes into it. Keep your friends close, you know, uh, check in on your family, on your loved ones, um, go shopping for your parents and your grandparents and, uh, man, just take care of everybody. Be excellent to each other. <laughs> Dude, right on. Thank you so much, Zach. This has been awesome. Anytime. And, uh, yeah, finally, uh, happy we finally got to do this. Yeah. I feel like we've been trying to do it for a little while and our schedules just kept like not meshing. All it took was a pandemic for us to be able to do this. Uh, I know. Right. Yeah. You finally, you text me that I was, cause I, I've always been, we've just never actually done it. You've always been like, Hey man, you down to be on the podcast? I'm like, totally. And then, uh, then you'd rather just be like, ah, shit, I got a show that day or I'm on tour or something like that. And, uh, now you wrote me, I was like, yeah, totally free. What time's good for you? I knew you were stuck. Yeah. Oh, totally. I'm, I'm into this and all about, uh, anything for Alaska. I missed that place. Um, dude, really pumped about the new skate park that's coming in town and glad that we got to work with, uh, um, I got to meet because of that. I got to Skype with Tony Hawk. That was pretty fucking cool. I saw that. That was, uh, that was, I was very nervous. That was, uh, that was a thing. <laughs> My management set that over because we've been working with their, their foundation. Their foundation's awesome. And, uh, when they were like, Hey, yeah, you want to, you want to FaceTime with Tony? I was like, a gulp. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. That was, uh, that was weird. Well, do you want to talk about that skate park? I mean, we don't we don't have to end right now. I, I think that, oh. that that's something that's super relevant. Well, I'll, I'll just say like we're uh, we're super uh, pumped to be a part of it. We got to match Tony Hawk Foundation's uh, a grant, and they I I first started off being active in my community when I was a kid, um, arguing against Sarah Palin for years to get our uh, skate park, the Wasilla Skate Park. Um, me and three other guys, Adam Ryan and Wes Hubbard and our parents and a bunch of other people were all involved. And like, we all created a committee to 
build the skate park. And uh, yeah, we fought it for a couple of years. We raised a lot of money and it's still like one of the proudest things to me. So it was really awesome to be able to come full circle. And that was my first start into politics and philanthropy and giving back, fundraising, um, doing benefit shows with my shitty band back then. And now we do it all the time with my shitty band now. And it's awesome to kind of bring it full circle. So that, uh, that was a real... That was the thing that felt really good. Skateboarding is such a huge thing for me still, even though I'm I'm old and fragile and I I still do it a little bit, but I just I can't go hard. I uh you know, sadly I break my wrist and things are kinda I fuck over a lot of people uh 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 in my business and so I still skateboard but I keep it pretty light and it's uh it's really fun and going out and seeing how um, people encourage the youth and me and stuff. It's like when I go to a skate park, even even now in Portland, it's not like it was when I kid uh, when I was a kid. I thought I was gonna get beat up or you know talk shit to because I'm old and stuff. But anytime I'm doing something, I almost land or I land it. Every everybody there is just like supportive, and it's such a uh, a positive goal oriented activity that doesn't require a ton of money or space. You just kind of you just kind of make do and specifically skateboarders in Alaska because mm-hmm. there just isn't that much pavement. It's a hard life and I respect it a lot and it made me the person I am today. For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats.